When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, American Gov and Civics. Welcome to the first test review for our fall of 22 uh, semester. So the review is on Google Classroom. If you don't have a paper copy, uh, if you have a paper copy, um, I gave those out in class. So I'm just going to go through and talk about each one of these topics. Uh, if you have questions, you can always uh, text me on the uh, Talking Points app. You can always um, email me. Uh, or connect on social media. All right, so first up is unitary states. Now, I like to start off with an example from history. Uh, a lot of this stuff deals with history stuff. So the unitary states, you need to think back to the uh, colonial days when um, you know, the English were in charge of the American colonies. And this is an example of a unitary state. The British, in this example, uh, the monarchy, would send orders, directives, proclamations, taxes, those sorts of things, to the colonies, and the colonies had to follow through. So you have a strong central government, the monarchy, telling the states, the colonies, what to do. That's what a unitary state is, where you have a strong central government sending directives to the smaller political subunits. All right, the English philosophers. Um, so first off, remember they're English. Most, I mean, they, these guys traveled around a little bit, but uh, for the most part, they were English and they all are going to have some kind of influence on the U.S. Constitution and the U.S. government. Now, to save time, I'm just going to concentrate on the ones that are on the test, uh, and I'm pretty sure that's uh, Locke and Montesquieu and Hobbes, okay? Um, so Hobbes, uh, he's before these people, okay? He's kind of the first one, uh, and he comes up with the social contract. Now, that's something that Locke will expand upon later on down the road, but Hobbes believes that people enter into an agreement with their uh, governments, all right? So the people, they give up their right and their ability to govern themselves, and the government in turn agrees to, to help, to protect, make rules and laws that are going to be you know, equal for everybody, and things like that, okay? So Locke will expand upon that, but his big idea is twofold. First off is the natural rights, all right? That is something that every person is born with. Regardless of who you are, every person is born with natural rights. Now, he said that's life, liberty, and property. And that's going to sound familiar because Jefferson will use that uh, in the Declaration of Independence, which we'll talk about on the backside of your review. Uh, but Locke believed in the natural rights, and every person has these rights. Okay. Now, he also believed, and this is important, that it's the government's job, responsibility, to protect those natural rights. So that's something we still hold dear today. Uh, it is you know, kind of written into our Constitution and our Bill of Rights that the government can't take away your right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness without giving you uh, all the, the due process that you get. So if you're ever arrested, all right, you're going to get a lawyer. You're going to get um, you know, a, a, fair a fair trial and a jury and uh, no cruel, unusual punishment, all those sorts of things. Okay? 
<clears throat> so that's Locke. Uh, Voltaire, I don't think he's on the test, but just in case, he's the freedom of speech and religion guy, so he writes about how important it is for uh, citizens to be able to criticize the government and worship how you want to. I'm almost 99% sure Rousseau, Rousseau is not on there, so we're not going to talk about him. And then Montesquieu is, uh, and his big thing was the separation of powers. Okay, so Montesquieu came up in a time when a king or queen could make a law, enforce a law, and judge a law all on the same day, really. They could do whatever they wanted to. And he writes about how that's unfair. So that's why we have the branches of government. We have the legislative branch, which writes. We have the executive branch, which enforces. And we have the judicial branch, which judges. All right, English documents and their impact on America. First off, uh, one question on there is going to have these all in a group. And you need to just understand, hey, these group, these, these got documents <clears throat> contributed to the Constitution uh, of the United States. All right, now, they're not a mirror image. You know, you're not going to go to the Constitution and then compare it to the, the Magna Carta. It's just not something that's it, it's like that. But some of the ideas and, and things like that are going to contribute uh, to our document. So first up there is the Magna Carta. Now, the Magna Carta, uh, this was the, the precursor to everything. The nobles in England at the time were not happy with what the, the king and how he was operating, specifically some of the things taxing and, and just the nobles had no voice, no say-so, uh, and they wanted an expanded role in the government. Okay, so they're going to basically force King, I think it was King John, I think, can't remember. Uh, they're going to force him to sign this document. Um, <clears throat> and basically, now, don't think this was some, oh, this is for everybody. This was for them. All right, so this was the nobles taking some power and some authority and, and, and whatnot from the king with the Magna Carta. But it did make the king give up some of their power. All right. Uh, the Petition of Rights is not on the test, so we're not going to worry about it. Uh, the English Bill of Rights, uh, when I say that, I'm just saying it's not on our test. You still need to know it from our, you know, the work you've done in class and things like that, but you don't need to know for the test tomorrow. Uh, the English Bill of Rights, so this is going to be signed by William and Mary after the Glorious Revolution. If you remember that from world history, the English have been fighting a civil war, and William and Mary are brought in, and they basically say, hey, look, we're not looking to have power. We'll do whatever. Uh, we just want to be the king and queen. Uh, I mean, it's, it's not that simple, but um, that's kind of what it was. And they say, we'll, we'll sign that bill. We'll sign it. Because you know, the English Bill of Rights takes a lot of power away from the king and queen. Uh, the big thing that you need to remember is that it made the king and queen have to consult parliament before they could raise taxes. All right, the oligarchy. So first off, an oligarchy is ruled by just a few people. Now, it could be, you know, Three, four people. It could be ten, fifteen people. Uh, it's not going to be like a million people running things. So, uh, oligarchy is where the government is run by a few small, not a few small people, but um, a few people, a small group of people. Alrighty. Uh, an example of it is in Greece. That's why Greece is on there. All right. The republic and the representative democracy. That's one of the same for the most part nowadays. Um, the republic. We're, we live in a republic. We live in a representative democracy. Uh, next time you get a chance to pay attention to the. Um, the Pledge of Allegiance. Think about what we pledge allegiance to. All right, well, it's the flag, but think. Listen to the words uh, for the republic, for which it stands. Okay. Basically, all this is it's uh, where we don't take part in politics on an everyday basis. Okay. Instead, we elect officials. We elect people that are going to make decisions for us. Um, it's just it's uh, it would be pretty difficult. For the for for all of us, all 350 million Americans, 
uh, to take part in politics on a daily basis. So instead, we have representatives that do that. All right, on the back of your paper, you've got parliamentary versus presidential democracy. So first off, the similarities. All right, both in the parliament and the presidential democracy, there is a legislative body. On the parliamentary side, it is the parliament. On the presidential side, it's Congress. Okay, now where they differ is how they pick their executive. For the presidential, it's the president. For the parliamentary, it's the prime minister. Okay, now under the presidential democracy, the president is chosen by us. We get to go vote for uh, a president. All right. Uh, so the citizens have a direct voice into who's going to be the next president. Parliamentary, this is where the parliament will pick the new prime minister. All right. So the people don't have as much of a voice. Yes, they get to pick their parliament members, but the parliament members then get to pick the prime minister from that body. Okay. So that's the big difference. Uh, authoritarian. Uh, just lost my track of thought in there, and I, I said that wrong. Authoritarian government versus democratic government. The main thing on the test for this one is the lack of citizen involvement versus citizen involvement. So authoritarian, there's no, no, not much citizen involvement there. Okay, um, the 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 leader, whoever it is, king, dictator, whatever, uh, doesn't have much concern for what the citizens need to want. It's whatever they need to want. Okay, uh, versus the democratic where. You know, we're supposed to have a voice, a direct voice, and as, as citizens, and, and we have the ability to uh, you know, elect new leadership when we don't like the current leadership and, and those sorts of things. All right, a direct democracy. You might also hear this as participatory democracy, uh, but uh, it, you know, it's the same thing. Basically, this is where everybody in a community takes part in the government. And when I say everybody takes part, it's not just, hey, let's go out and vote. It's you're taking part, act a part in decisions. All right. Now, this is almost impossible for us to do today. There's 350 million Americans uh, or so, and there's just no way that all of us can take part in the, the numerous decisions that get made and need to get made on bills and laws and policies and things like that. So instead, we do what we talked about earlier with the representative democracy, where we elect officials to make decisions for us. Uh, direct democracy works best in small communities. Okay, Think back once again to U.S. history. Uh, during the colonial days, the New England town meetings, you know, when you had a town or a village of 100 people, that was easy to call everybody together and have everybody say what they thought and then make decisions. You could do that. We couldn't do that here in Swanee or in Gwinnett. There's just too many people. All right, Confederation. Once again, going back to uh, U.S. history, our first government, remember, was the Articles of Confederation. All righty. And if you think back and can remember, it was a very poor government because the states had all the power. The states could tell the, the, the national government what to do, maybe not necessarily tell them what to do, but they didn't have to listen to the national government. Okay, so confederation is the exact opposite of a unitary. Confederation is where the states, colonies, political subunits have control, have power over the central government. So under the Articles, there was a Congress, but they had no, they had no ability to do anything. Okay, and that's what a, a confederation does. All right, the Declaration of Independence, uh, and there's a couple things underneath it, philosophers, writings, natural rights, social contract, all of these things are things we talked about. Now, on the test, there's going to be a quote, a passage from the Declaration, and you just got to remember some of the stuff we've already talked about. So first off, you know, just remember that John Locke and the other philosophers, specifically Montesquieu, had a pretty big influence on um, Thomas Jefferson and his writing of this document. Uh, Locke's natural rights, which is the next two things there, are really going to be kind of the cornerstone of the Declaration. 
the right to life, liberty, and once again, Jefferson changed it to the pursuit of happiness. And those are those natural rights. Uh, and then the social contract and ideas of equality. Remember, the opening statement is all men are created equal. Uh, and so that's a big idea in the Declaration of Independence as well. All right, last couple of things here. We've got limited government. Now, this is an idea that we brought to the table after we broke away from England. It's, it's one of the principles, one of the, the, the kind of the things that we want in our government. We want a government that's not going to be able to be super intrusive in our lives. When I say super intrusive, I mean there are things the government cannot do to us as citizens. So we want some limitations placed on the government with what they can do to us. Okay, and this is going to be in the first ten amendments of the of the of the Bill of Rights. All right. So, for example, the freedom of speech, the government is not going to come in and censor you. So you can, for the most part, say what you want to. Now, there are some things that'll get you in trouble with the government, but for the most part, you're going you're free to to say what you want to. Now, are there social consequences? Yes, and you've seen this happen all the time, where people say something they're not supposed to, <clears throat> and they get in trouble. That can happen. Okay, but the government's not going to come in and censor them. Uh, an example happened just last uh, last football season. Uh, the co coach of the Raiders, John Gruden, an email of his came out. He had some – I can't remember exactly what he said, uh, but it was in poor choice. And um, he eventually was forced to resign. Did the government come in and force him to resign? No, it was the organization because of the, the backlash from their fans and the, the citizens. So there are political consequences. I mean uh, – uh, social consequences, excuse me. Uh, the government's not going to come crashing into your house while you're listening to this podcast and, um, you know, search and seize you. They can't do that. You, it's a limited thing uh, that they can't do. All right, elections in democratic society, pretty simple, just should be free, safe and easy. Uh, and I feel pretty confident uh, saying that, you know, if you want to go vote in November, if you're eligible and you have registered and all that kind of stuff, uh, you'll be able to go and vote. And then the, the transfer of power should be safe and easy as well. So when someone loses, they should be gracious and uh, take the L and transfer the power quickly and easily. Fidel Castro and an auto, autocratic government. So an autocracy, that's where there's just one leader. And just the question on the test is going to be about the fact that Fidel Castro came to Cuba, uh, took control, and created this autocratic government where everything went through him. Democracy versus monarch. This uh, is just about the, the citizen involvement, the freedoms. So remember, in a, in a democracy, we have a voice. We have a lot of say-so in what happens. We get to go vote. We get to pick our leadership uh, versus a monarch where there's not that level of citizen involvement. There's no, hey, let's go vote for the king. Let's go vote for the queen, queen today. It's they assume control, and then we listen. Uh, popular sovereignty. Uh, so going back to a U.S. US history example, uh, this is from the Civil War, or the pre-Civil War. If you remember and think back to the 1850s or so, uh, America was expanding west, and the question at the time uh, was, were states going to be free states or slave states? And so, you know, the politicians were trying to make those decisions. Well, popular sovereignty became very popular at that time, where let's let the people decide. And so uh, in some places, as they expanded west, Kansas, Nebraska, places like that, they decided to try out this popular sovereignty thing. So what does that mean? Well, they were going to let the people decide. Are they going to be a free state or a slave state? So popular sovereignty is just the people, me and you, uh, being able to make decisions about the government. All decisions, all things should flow through us. Okay, uh, Our Congress people should be taking into account what we need and how we're being affected by the laws and the policies and things like that. But popular sovereignty is just the idea that uh, everything flows through the people.
All right, oligarchy versus monarchy is pretty simple. Uh, an oligarchy, that is where there's a group rule. Monarchy, that is where there's one person. Uh, I think most people probably recognize that. And then finally is the federal system of government. So the federal system, uh, that is where there's multiple layers of government that have kind of, con I don't want to say control, but we have to listen to. So you have the federal government that can make rules and laws, taxes that we have to follow. You have the state of Georgia that makes rules and laws and taxes that we have to follow. Um, we could go further down to Gwinnett to our city, to our school, so on and so forth. So we have all these multiple places, multiple layers of, um, of government that we have to kind of abide by, okay? All right, guys, that is the review. Once again, if you need help, have questions, concerns, whatever it might be, uh, feel free to text me on the remind up till about 10 o'clock. Uh, I mean, not remind, uh, that's gone away, uh, the talking points. So feel free to, remind, to text me there. Uh, email me at the school email. Uh, or the personal email that I gave you. And uh, also, if you want to connect on social media, social media on Twitter, at uh, chhsgov underscore civics, and then on Instagram, at uh, chhsgov underscore civics. It's the same thing. So, All right, guys, uh, best of luck. I'll see you in class on Friday for this test, and I'll go over uh, a few things after the test, how to do test corrections, and uh, the civic engagement project is going to start up. So, uh, I'll give you a few things, few details after that. So, but anyways, have a great Thursday night, and I'll see you Friday. Take care. Bye-bye.